0: Accident when you were in your sin and you would have rightly deserved hell. But God has given you a chance of redemption and salvation. Amen. And now look at all the people that get to go to heaven because you've preached to them and you've shared with them your testimony. Amen. All right. So, Joby, go ahead and start that recording and then we'll share it on Facebook. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 9. Um, we are not going to be talking about uh, the works of God today. We're going to talk about the problem of evil. And I'm so happy that. Um, that Jared is, Pastor Jared, will now be with us because he will be able to add great insight to our conversations and also be able to answer your questions as you go throughout the day. So uh, I'm going to start it right now. Uh, Share post, and then he'll bring me those goodies. Okay, today we're going to talk about the problem of evil. Join me for chapel and discuss... Can you get me the keyboard and stuff? Or oh, he's got to remember that, sir, and the problem of evil. Join me for chapel and discuss the problem of evil. Would everybody just stretch your hands towards Joe B and say wisdom in Jesus' name. Wisdom in Jesus' name. Practical knowledge and the application of knowledge. Wisdom. We're believing God. He's doing a lot of things. He's helping us out. But we just want to continue to lift him up. Amen. And Ulysses, that's the same thing for you. We're praying for wisdom. We're praying for wisdom. Okay, so look to John chapter nine. John chapter nine is the story of the healing of the blind man. John chapter nine. Let me make sure it's just coming through. Okay, one, two, one, two. I am not getting any audio. I saw it coming through. Hold on, it might be my speakers here. Okay, then it's probably my problem on my phone. Perfect, okay. All right, John chapter 9, healing of the blind man. We're going to turn this into a discussion on the problem of evil. But let us read uh, John chapter 9 starting in verse 1 to hear why we have to discuss this in this story. John chapter 9 verse 1, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, "Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind?" Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, "but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sa- as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world." Now, this is a very interesting passage here. And as I listened back to myself preach it yesterday, I did stretch too much the connection between this belief and uh, Hinduism and Eastern thought. I said, could I prove this? Could I research this out and prove it? And I really can't. And so I should have said this thought was uh, similar to the Eastern thought, though it is my suspicion that is where it came from. That's where it came from. Now, the Jewish people did on their own have different reasons to believe in the curses coming down from parents, but they would have never have had a prenatal belief of uh, of a curse unless they would have adopted some false view of reincarnation. That's my personal opinion. Uh, But uh, the commentators, the best that they can point to is the curses of Deuteronomy to the second and third generation? But then that would have only covered the question of the parents sinning and then their womb being cursed. But the very fact that they brought up, did this man sin? Well, how would that man have sinned if he was born blind? That's exactly the narration. Now, if we would if we would keep with the Jewish thought that they were only really assuming that uh, that 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 your personal sin in this life or the parents sin could could cause it then then they may not have known the man was born blind and the narration is saying we now know the man was born blind as 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 he tells his story but the disciples coming up to that may not have known that so they may have been asking like this "Did this man sin in his life at some point and become blind or did his parents sin and now the curse has been handed to them so there's all those possibilities that that can be read into this uh so my connection to the eastern uh philosophy which Buddhism and and Hinduism are very much one in that uh, mindset was uh, too strong of a connection so I do want to back that off a little bit but uh, the good that came out of that was that you got to hear a thorough refutation of um, that mindset of karma and reincarnation but it is my suspicion that that is what has happened there. So you got to be careful. So as a good preacher and as a uh, student of the Word, you want to uh, make sure that you let people know when you're entering into the realm of opinion and uh, speculation and uh, standing on facts as facts and speculation as speculation. Uh, so that, that's something to think about here. But we now need to address this problem of evil. And I really want to do it well with you guys here. I want to do it well. If you guys want more research on this by people that I learn and study from, uh, feel free to email me and I'll send you some goodies on the problem of evil, uh, some more research. But this is really where we need to uh, stop and think just for a little bit, where, where we're getting hit with this uh, in, in the world today. Now, there are Christian problems with evil that we as Christians deal with, okay? And that's asking the big question of why, you know, why is there evil? Um, And then there's like the rebuke towards the secular world about them trying to use this as an assault of why there is evil. So there's really two issues that I want to address and really go through is, is, how christians deal with evil like just us like in-house like i believe in god god is good but why is sadia today getting bad reports from the doctor we need to deal with that we need to have an understanding of that and and we don't want to be far off like the disciples are so if i see a blind person i don't want to ask the dumb question like the disciples did who sinned does everybody get that i want to understand why that man is blind why is he blind do you guys get that because if somebody were to come to you and go why is this child born blind so we're thinking about this This guy's a man now. He's old enough to speak up for himself, probably in his 20s or 30s. And, and we're thinking that's a blind man. But it says he was born blind. Look at a baby blind. That's a sad, that's a sad sight to see, right? You're, you're seeing a, a baby that's blind. Well, that's going to be a question you're going to have is why is this child born blind? Well, hopefully you don't say one of the two stupidest things that, that you could say is, did the parents sin? Because if you say that to the parents, dude, you have just insulted those parents in a way that you cannot imagine. And I've actually heard Christians doing stuff like that, being very much like that. Like maybe there was hidden sin in your life. And I wa- I remember watching my best friend go through this, Juan Gonzalez. That literally, it, it, he was a strong Christian, knew right doctrine, but it messed with him so much that he, he had a child that was born with a disability that he really asked himself, is this my punishment for doing all these things wrong in life that now I have to do that? It, it comes into people's minds, and so you need to not go into that realm at all. That is, that is the devil. That is not of God. That is condemnation, and if people are tempted to believe that, you stop them. You say, you have not sinned. You have not done anything wrong. For this. And then the second thing is absolutely, you don't say that the person has sinned. You don't say the child has sinned. You don't say, well, maybe they would have grown up to be a Hitler, and this is God's way of stopping them from doing something like that. You don't say that, which are things that I have heard. That is not how you answer this. So, so I, I, I understand the disciples didn't know any better. We're growing through their mistakes, but we know better now. We don't say stupid things like this because this is what causes problems. This is what um, makes Christians look really bad and you you just don't bring it up like that period and now we do have to have an answer though so what is our answer what do we say to the parent why was my child born blind what do you say back to them um i would like to have a little bit of a discussion you won't come up on the mic but i'll hear and summarize what you're saying so who now and don't pretend like you haven't heard what i've been preaching i'm asking this literally after what you've heard what i've been preaching Just to see how well you guys could respond to it. Uh, Matter of fact, I will give you the mic. That way, there can be a little interaction with what people are hearing. So, if someone said to you now, with what you've learned already, what would you say if they said, "Why was my child born blind?" Let's start with Ulysses. What would you say? Uh, Because of creation, Adam and Eve. Okay. Because they, because they sinned, our ancestors sinned. Therefore, now the curse goes on. Okay. So there's a curse from Adam and Eve. So it's not a personal act of sin. That has caused the, the curse of sickness. It's not a personal act of sin, that, that person right here. But it's because humanity sinned in the garden. Does everybody get that? Because humanity sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, and there's so many scriptures. There's, if you have a question about a scripture, I reference Write it down at the end, and then Facebook it to me, and then I'll give you a scriptural reference, because there's just so much. I can't stop and go, let's turn now to Genesis this, let's turn to this, let's turn to that. There's just too many. We'll be flipping pages the entire time. I have to summarize them, okay? And remember, and I always love messing with people who uh, who think that uh, because I don't know the exact chapter and verse, that I'm not as smart of them with scripture memorization, because you do have some people that want to like challenge me on that, like some of my peers and people older than me, but I always remind them, chapters and verses are not biblical. They are not inspired. Amen? And he didn't do it either. None of the disciples used chapters and verses, and they summarized just exactly how I summarized. They talked about the prophets as a whole. They talked about David being the author of the Psalms as a whole. They talked about the Pentateuch, the, the Torah as a whole. And so if you can just say the scripture and it's there, it's there. It doesn't matter if it's Genesis 2, 3, 5, 6. Now, if you want to continue to grow in your ability to memorize, that is a skill. That is a gift. And I think that's a great gift. So I don't put it down or demean it. Just don't demean me because I quote scripture like Jesus. Amen. Don't don't get on me because I quote scripture like him. That's how they quoted scripture. It's very much a reference style that is, it is accepted according to the Bible. Okay. So as you hear me right now, don't think like, well, it's not as biblically based because he didn't say turn to Genesis two, verse one, and we read. No. If I say this, he said, "If you eat of this, you shall surely die." That is scripture. I have just said scripture to you. Do you get that? So he said that the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, the dying there, the death there is all that we see now in the world. And you could consider it sin. uh, The death is a sin of uh, the, the, the spiritual death is sin. And that the physical death is of sorrow and sickness. Because when you die, you're going to die of something. Very rarely does ever say in the Bible that they just that the spirit just left them, and even then they're still not. Because some people have tried to tell me that uh, you know you can be so a person of faith that you can die without without having to die of a sickness, and um, I just don't think that's true. Because even when you look at them saying like the spirit took them. They were already dying for some reason. They were already like Abraham. He was already at the point of death. So what's going on? He's probably dying of cancer. He's dying of some kind of a disease, a pneumonia, something that's taken him over at an old age. He's frail, and then he breathes his last breath. So it sounds like he didn't have like a disease because they didn't know what they were. Uh, but but where they get this from is like Jesus gave up his his spirit. Well, that's because Jesus could have given the miracle miraculous power to endure more and more and more and more, but he chose to lay down his life. The divinity that he had placed inside that huma- humanity had to decide when it was time, and he would only do that when the Father said it was time. And I I, I think he endured what would be the exact amount that a man could possibly endure. So don't get that confused. Uh, so anyways, uh, when when we're looking. Looking at uh, the, what, what sin brought as in death, we have to see it's spiritual and physical. And we see that in the Garden of Eden. Spiritually, they're instantly cut off from God knowing that they're naked. That is a big understanding. Uh, that's a big sign to us to know that they never saw themselves primarily as a carnal creature up until that point. They saw themselves as a spiritual creature. And so I love uh, what people have taught me to see us as, is that we are spiritual souls that live in a body, not physical bodies that have souls. Do you see the difference? We are spiritual souls that live in a body. And so before they sinned, they didn't know that the body was that important, like there was that much detail to it, or or that it was that noticeable to them. And so I always like to imagine, speculate here, that it's the glory of God shining through them like a light bulb. You're not seeing the glass or the fluorescence of the light bulb, or, or the writing on it, rather, because it's it's shining through, it's translucent. But if you turn off the light bulb, then you could see the markings and those different things. And that's, that's my best guess of understanding that. Um, You also get an idea of that with uh, Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. There's a transfiguring that the glory of God brings to us that makes us shine brighter than the sun. Now, that's an amazing thing to think about, that that the glory of God shines brighter than the sun. It outshines the sun. It's compared to the sun, but it actually outshines it. And that's why in New Jerusalem there is no sun, and that's why we only have the glory of God shining there. Now, to, to move on from that, we then see that they know that they're 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 spiritually disconnected from god and we know that physical death is going to come their way they are going to die because as as the book of genesis goes on they can murder each other and then a wickedness starts to happen and then and then they die actually physically and it seems like their body takes a long time to, that, to in, that Energizer bunny battery type thing, it seems like it takes a long time to finally wear out. So these first human bodies take like a thousand years to wear out. And uh, this is where we, we talk about uh, the DNA code and, and a copy of a copy of a copy, and why now we only live 70 years is because uh, God uh, cursed us, uh, basically took away, not, I shouldn't say curse, but God took away the blessing of even the longevity that Adam and Eve have and reduced our life to about 70 years there in, in that same part of the Bible. But even before then, what was happening is uh, the blessing of perfection upon our DNA Is Going away, and that's why we can now die and be susceptible to different things So so think about like Adam and Eve now lose the sustaining perfect nature of the the power of the spirit in their flesh And so now their flesh is kind of like going to wear out and, and go down and it takes about a thousand years to do that well that copy of the DNA code gets got, but gets handed down to the next generation now it's not as strong it's not as it's not as good it's not as well off and then the copy of the copy of the copy so you think about like a, uh, a copy machine it keeps making those copies as you get to the 20th copy if you were taking the freshman putting it on there it gets to become very uh, very hard to read and so that's why we are the way we are now it would be just amazing to see what Adam and Eve looked like in the creation before they fell, what the spirit looked like in their body. Now, sometimes people think that's like, um, that's like getting into uh, like make-believe or something, but, th- but this is only because it's normal for us now to die. It's it's only normal to us now because it's consistent for us to see all the evil and all the pain and all these things. But if you were in Adam and Eve situation, that would have been normal to you. It wouldn't. It would have been abnormal to suffer pain. It would be abnormal to wear glasses or to not have 20/20 vision. It would be abnormal to have a, a bad day because you didn't get a good night of sleep or something in your digestive system. So it's it's really not a, a hard thing to imagine that these bodies were made for more, that these bodies were made for more. And, and not only that, when you look at creation, it almost looks like creation is a fallen creation. It, it just, it's just, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. But yet there are things in the creation that you just wonder, like, how did it get to be this way? Why is the world, and, and the in and, and the, um, say the underneath of the world, the, uh, the the rock layers, why are they moving, you know? did they have to move did did they have to move no you know did did uh did the world have to rotate around uh, th- did the earth have to rotate around the sun in the way it does so that we would have the north poles and the south poles what if it would have rotated differently may we maybe the earth could have the climate that it that it has uh, at the equator all all the time you know you know and we don't, we don't know how how it was to live in that world and some people even speculate that there was a um, a, a, a circle of water above the earth because it says that the waters were separated from the waters, and it doesn't seem like there's sky because that's dealt with later. And this is called the canopy theory that there was actually kind of like a ring of water around us. And a lot of like the creation guys, like Answers in Genesis, talk about this. And that's what came down really heavy during that time. And then what it did is it took away this protective layer that we had from the sun. So we used to have like a greenhouse effect. So maybe even though the, the earth would rotate the same way um, this would allow the earth to always be heated up to a certain temperature but once we lost that layer here above our atmosphere that layer of water and protection seal that now the earth and the radiation uh, causes what it does and then now there's not like a heating effect upon the earth so there are places that are not heated equally where that canopy could have created that and you can look that up they called the canopy theory Uh, as as Genesis seems to describe. So the bottom line is there's a physical death, there is a spiritual death. Now let me just talk a little bit more about the spiritual death. Um, The spiritual death is going to affect our mind and our thoughts and our thinking. And that's why you start to see the wickedness of man. The the Bible says that they started to do all that was wicked in their own eyes. And they, they start doing all this now. Just think to yourself, if I just set you off in the middle of a desert and I said, do whatever you want to do as wicked as you can be, or, you know, just go as crazy as you can go. I mean, what really could you do? I mean, there's, there's only so many things that wickedness can lead you to. I mean, um, you can start killing people, murder and violence. You can start taking things that didn't belong to you. Let's say I put a village of you out there, right? And then I say, now just everybody do whatever they want. Well, there's only so many things humanity can do. It doesn't matter if you're looking back six thousand years ago or today. It's all basically the same thing. Just think about it. I'm going to start killing you, taking your stuff, beating beating you up, stealing from you. What else can I do? I can start having sexual relationships with you. I can take have sexual relationships with, with a man, a woman, whatever. I can start raping you. I you know I'm not, I'm going to take myself out of this because it sounds going to sound stupid now. You know, you can start molesting each other's children. You could start uh, putting each other into slavery. You know, there, you give you give a culture. just 10 years without any sense of law they're going to they're going to come up with every crazy thing just like that it's not going to take very long does everybody get that and so that and that's the pre-noah world that's the pre-noah world it's just there it is no no fear of god everybody's doing what's right so some people wonder like how did it get to be that bad that fast well just that's all it took i mean look at chicago imagine uh, look at look at new orleans mardi gras look at chicago combine them together remove the police and there you have pre-noah's world It's that simple. Everybody's going to be as sexually perverse as they want to be, and everybody's going to be as crazy as they want to be. And that's, it could happen like that. Uh, You you just, you know, you just lift off uh, the hand of the law a little bit, and you see what happens in neighborhoods and in communities. Like, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's the French Quarter or the Hood. You move back a restraint a little bit. People get in one mindset. This is the craziness we want to live by, and they'll do it. Um, And so that's why there's only eight people saved. That's why there's literally only eight people saved. God is looking at all these people going, none of you are living right. Now we could get into what if's, what ifs, what ifs, so we could go go down to like why didn't he just destroy the whole universe and start all over again. Now here's something that might blow your mind. What if he did and we're his third or fourth try. You don't know. There is no guarantee that we aren't the fourth creation of God. Now, that could get into weird stuff like, where's that other dimension? Are they still around somewhere, you know? But, but the idea is we have no idea where we are in the story of God. Now, I do believe things that would be significant like that, if they were important to us, God would let us know. So there's no reason in going on into those kind of speculations because I feel like those are like uh, the Bible says going into old wives' tales and, and different things and to myths. Don't give yourself into that. And the Jewish people would get give themselves into that. That's where the Kabbalah came from, Jewish mysticism, really reading into all of these things and coming up with a whole lot of other ideas. And it was almost like their way of telling fairy tales, but then people started to believe it, very similar to like a Scientology thing. It's like it starts off. Almost like this is science fiction, but then somebody's like well, let's just make a religion out of science fiction and that's what Scientology became okay, so after Noah and then you get the world the way it is and that's kind of like how we've been going ever since then and you've seen nations doing what they do okay, so what, what, what does spiritual death really look like then in, in our lives? Well, it looks like us being disconnected from God and having all types of tormenting temptations and sinful desires of our flesh and tormenting temptations from the outside, the devil, so inside, outside temptation, and a separation from God. The veil of the flesh now separates us from the glory of God. We don't see exactly what he's doing. We don't see him in the, in, in the working in the world. And then now we have physical Physical suffering, we we are a broken DNA code is being handed down, so that's why someone is being born blind. They're a copy of a copy of a copy, and the DNA code of that site may go off in that uh, that uh, gene code. Um, uh, natural suffering, earthquakes, all of these different things are happening because the world is not protected or uh, perfect the way it was. Death has come to the world, uh, you know, volcanoes, earthquakes. Um, uh, and all of those things, uh, weather patterns, uh, you know, the, the universe itself. I mean, you get this, you get this idea when you look at, uh, I believe it's Ezekiel, uh, uh or Isaiah. Which one is it, Jared, where Satan is, is dancing on the stars, going around from different places? Uh, yeah, look that up, please. You know, you know, where it says that he was doing all of that. It almost gets the idea that, um that there is a time where Satan is around during the creation, and um, he hasn't fallen yet. And so the question is, when did Satan fall? That's another good question. And so uh, let me just walk you through this real quick. I believe, and I've kind of come to this later on now, is that literally when it starts in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, everything is getting created there. Everything literally, which one is it? Isaiah fourteen twelve. Let me just uh, look up that one, just so you guys can just see that scripture. Isaiah fourteen twelve. Just just to give an idea that there might have been safe interplanetary travel for angelic beings. Isaiah, what is it? Fourteen twelve. Okay, here it is. How how you have fallen from heaven, Morning Star, son of, of dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You once laid low the nations. You said in my in your heart, I will send to heavens. I will raise my Throne above the stars as a god. I will ascend here. Now, where is he? Kind of like prancing around. Um. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Let me get to it here. Now, this. See, why is it always the one? When he throws it up, the cast on you, you send heavens. Find the reference of Satan in Ezekiel, please. Just put that up and then tell me which one it is. Because it's only it's only a couple places in the Old Testament where they believe he's referenced. And I believe um, it is Ezekiel. Okay, so he- here's a good way to, uh, to look at kind of like Satan's thing in this. So God creates literally everything. His throne, the, the heavens, where he's at, heaven, and the heavens, the universe, uh, angels, all of that, in the creation account of Genesis. Genesis. So there was a time when God was in dwelling among Himself uh, in the triune nature of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then He creates everything else. Somewhere in this created order, um, Satan is there, and it looks like they're able to enjoy the universe as a whole. So that may just be on day one. I mean, say, you, you did you find it? Ezekiel 28, there we go. Let's try Ezekiel twenty-eight eleven. Ezekiel twenty-eight eleven. Okay, there we go. Yes, you were in the garden. Uh, you were in the uh, in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone, the settings. You were anointed cherub, uh, a guardian. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. There we go. You walked among the fiery stones. Some people believe walking among the fiery stones is he's going to stars. He's walking among the stars. He's doing these things in those places. Okay? So, um, did you learn something there, Jared? Had you ever heard that before? Yeah, so there you go. It's just speculation. We don't know. I mean, but what are the fiery stones? We don't know. The best guess that some people have is that he's walking among the stars. So, so let me just say this to kind of tie in Satan's role here. Satan is probably uh, being created right around this time that we're seeing in the book of Genesis. And then he's, he's here. Uh, doing these different things. So he's able to go to the garden. He's able to go to the fiery stones. He's he's able to do all these things. And then he gets cast out. And now he's there tempting Adam and Eve. And so we don't know when that happened. And because we don't know the time frame that passes between Adam and Eve's creation and the fall. They could have been there for a thousand years. They could have been there for two weeks. We don't know how long that time period is because it doesn't tell us. And if, if this world, uh, the, this universe and creation is operating on eternal principles, nothing would have changed. Nothing would have uh, uh, ever um, wore out. So it wouldn't have been like a candle burning down so you could see like, oh, like it started here and it was here. It, it would just be burning perfectly. It would be no wax time. You wouldn't know like how many of those days. You, you, I mean, Adam and Eve could tell us how many suns, sunsets, sun sunups have come, but it doesn't put in there. So somewhere between X, Y, and Z, the creation, Adam and Eve living there, Satan do, uh, Lucifer doing all that he's doing, prancing around. That's <laughs> the word prance there. Prancing around. He ends up there. Okay, now, so now Satan... Is fallen and he's tied into this fallen system as well so I said all of that to say when we're dealing with spiritual evil it's not just our own fallen desires we're also dealing with the spiritual powers of the devil and that's what we see in Ephesians there's the you know the principalities and the powers and the the workers of darkness and so we're fighting against them as well now can they evil beings make people sick and afflicted yes they can and that's why when you see Jesus dealing with some people he's casting out the spirit the spirit he's casting out the spirit of infirmity he's casting that out now, if you want to see that reference you can ask me later to give you some of those but now we understand that there can be a spirit of death and uh, and, and blindness there can be a spirit of affliction the woman was the older woman was bow, uh, bent over and he he cast that spirit of oppression out of her and he said woman thou art loose and it, the spirit left so spirits can cause affliction but is it every sickness is every sickness a spiritual inflicted sickness no but it can be at times it can be now i also want to say this has God cursed people with blindness? Yes, it has. Has God cursed people with sickness? Yes, it has happened. Uh, take, for example, uh, in just even the New Testament. So we don't even think it's all Old Testament. In the New Testament, the one guy's messing with them, messing with them, Elimeus, I believe is his name, and then uh, Peter cast blindness upon him. Right? Is it Elimeus or Paul? Paul cast blindness upon him. And which man is that? Is that the Bar-Jesus guy, or is that Elimaeus? It does. He Just find that reference for us, please. So there's actually a casting on of blindness. Okay, now, how do we know as Christians whether or not the blindness is caused by an evil spirit or another Christian cursed them two days before we got there, right? How do we know? Well, that's the gift of discerning of spirits. And so here, and here's how you know if you have the gift of discerning a spirit. When you say that spirit, go, and it goes in Jesus' name. If you try to tell me I got the spirit of blindness on me, and then you cast out a spirit, ain't no spirit, go, you're, you're dumb, you're wrong. Does everybody get that? And so a lot of well-intentioned preachers have tried to call everything a spirit. You spirit of this, you spirit of that, and they're casting it out, and it's not going. But then what are you telling me? Spirits don't leave when we say the name of Jesus? Every time you deal with real demonic spirits and Jesus' name is brought up, you see exactly what you see in the Bible. Things are screaming, they're shaking, they're falling to the floor like they're dead, they're coming back up fully aware and alive. Spirits cannot resist the name of Jesus. So be very careful when you say, the Lord told me that this is caused by a spirit. If you're going to go out there on that limb, let's go, 30 seconds, they're getting healed. If they're not getting healed and there's no demonic release of that, you just played make-believe and offended that person in the meantime. And so that's where we're going to allow that to be a part of our church system. So if you ever think... That somebody has a spiritual, a sickness because of a spiritual affliction, then you come and let us know. And if anybody has ever told you that someone put a curse on me, the same thing, if that man who had the curse of blindness put on him by Paul comes to God, he will be healed in the name of Jesus instantly, just like the people who looked to the serpent in the Old Testament were healed as God was putting that curse upon them for being rebellious. And as uh, Paul's curse came off when Ananias laid his hands on him because he was blind like scales fell off his eyes. Remember that? So whether it's the curse of God or a demonic spirit, when Jesus' name is invoked, it's done instantly. Everything else we're believing for physical physical healing, not spiritually related. Go ahead, Jared. Oh, there we go. Well, I had the same. I had it both ways, and I just forgot. Okay, there we go. All right, so now I set all of that to set the stage. How are we as Christians going to deal with this? I got 13 minutes left (laughs) to deal with this, okay? That was quite an introduction. How are we going to deal with this? Because now we get ourselves in different kinds of situations, don't we? Um, Let's say uh, you're living for Jesus. I don't want to really talk too personal about some of us in our chapel right now, but let's just make it more general, but but I know we can relate to this. Let's say you're living for Jesus and you get a bad report from the doctor, okay? That affects you. You're going to start thinking to yourself, Man, is this an attack from the devil? Has a spirit did this to me? You know, you may think that. You may think to yourself, did I sin? Did I make this happen? Well, that's when you need to rebuke the devil and say, that, that's the lie. That's the lie. The devil would love for you to be discouraged and under condemnation. You're going to say, no, I'm a Christian. The devil can't put a curse on me. I'm a Christian. These people that we see that have the, have the spirits put upon them, they're not Christians. It's it's similar to demon possession. You get what I'm saying? Now, you may have to fight spirits and spiritual oppression, and you may think that people are saved and they'll get demon possessed, and that will freak you out because they probably really weren't saved. So, but, but the honest truth is, can a real spirit-filled, godly Christian have these things done to them? No, you can't. You can't have those things. You can fight battles. You can fight against them, but you can't have this done, uh, done to you. Uh, now, sometimes people will say, I've heard some missionaries say that their their children were attacked, and I don't know how that actually works, because uh, you would think children would be under that divine protection of the Lord, but we do see it in the Bible where spirit attacks that child and it keeps throwing them into the fire, so we know that that can happen. Just be very careful when you want to start dealing once again with saying, this is a spirit upon this child. And so what we do, because sometimes we do have parents do that, so let me say a little side note here, is we'll have parents come to us and say, my, my child's like this child in the Bible wanting to throw himself in the fire, you know. Well, once again, we say the name of Jesus. We come in that power, and you have authority. And if it is a spirit, it will be manifested. That's why when I come to town, and, and I'm there, and the de- demons are there, and we, have a, we, we meet each other, I'm not, I'm not messing around. And that's why if, it, if it's all this other emotional stuff, there's not a demon. Y'all keep praying for them, love on them. That's what I'll I'll just leave the room because I've been called in like that, you know. Well, Pastor, like, do we think we got a demon. Okay, stand him up. Look at me. In the name of Jesus, Satan, go right now. Right now in the name of Jesus. I take the authority. I speak with authority. If I don't see something happen, I'll pause a little bit, speak in tongues, and then I'll have them say something like, Jesus is Lord. Say, Jesus is Lord. And if they can say Jesus is Lord, then I just say this, they're being emotional. Calm down. Calm down. Put your spirit under subjection right now. Calm down. What's going on? Why are you acting this way? You see, because they're, they're getting over-emotional. They're getting over-emotional. But I've also seen it go the other way, where everybody's around somebody like the Holy Ghost Circle, kind of like this is an African-American church. They're all holding hands, and the person's in the middle, and she is screaming under torment. Not screaming, getting Jesus and the Holy Ghost. And I go, no, 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 this ain't the Holy Ghost. This is a spirit in the name of Jesus. You loose her right now, and then you'll hear it scream even louder. You see what I'm saying? Then you know, like, that wasn't the Holy Ghost. That was a demon. And then she gets set free, and she becomes under control. So anyways, going back to this uh, this mindset, is it's real easy to understand suffering happens because of the curse of sin, and then to To see what God has done for us, we read Isaiah 53, that Jesus became a curse for us. He took our sins upon us. He took our sorrows. He took our sicknesses. And it's a a good doctrine to know this, that by his stripes we are healed. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. But, But when you're in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of that pain, what do you do? The doctrine itself is not going to heal your heart. The truth will set you free from bondage and wrong thinking, but even if you have right thinking and you're in the hospital, you're still hurting. So what do you do? You look at Jesus and what he came to do. What does it say he came to do? As Joby sits right, please. He came to heal, thank you, the brokenhearted. If your arm was broke, do you want me to explain to you, like let say you fall down right now and you, you break your arm. My mother slipped and fell on a day like this in the, in the winter in the garage and broke her leg in like three different places, just flip, broke, bang. imagine you slip and fall, right? Your arm is broken. Do you want me to come and give you a talk about bone structure and a talk about marrow, and a talk about what's really happening physiologically to your body? Do you want me to explain things to you while you're just sitting there going, Ah, my arm, it hurts so bad. You know, and I can say this from a real serious point standpoint. When my wife's ankle was broken, I'm not having a medical discussion with her. What am I doing? I'm comforting her heart. I'm telling her, help's on the way. Let's comfort your heart. Jesus is with you you're going to make it through this that's what you do with the sick person that's what you do when you're sick you get out of the head stuff you get out of that think of think of that head stuff it's just being the same as worry it's the same as worry it won't bring you peace so where do you set your mind you set your mind at Jesus on Jesus you will keep at perfect peace those whose minds are set perfectly on you you know what does the Bible say be anxious about nothing. But in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests unto God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so what we need to do in the midst of our pain is seek the emotional healing first. Seek that emotional healing. And as, as we're watching fellow Christians suffer, those that you love, we need to read to them those scriptures that say the, the the pain is for the moment. The momentary suffering is here, but it's achieving for you a glory to come. And can I tell you this? This may blow your mind, but every time you suffer sickness as a Christian, you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ to a certain extent. That term is generally only reserved for the suffering of persecution. But if you look to Isaiah, the suffering included, the suffering included sickness. And so when we as Christians suffer with sickness, we're literally like Christ suffering on that cross because we're knowing that we should be healed. We should have the, the glory of God with us. But because of sin, we're taking it and enduring it now for the hope to be revealed. So it's like we can um, identify with Christ's sufferings. In our sickness because he carried our sickness does that make sense we can we can identify with him that way uh, we can identify with him saying look at what he says he says I thirst and I know that that doesn't mean he's literally like like a sick man but I see that man as he's been shot like in the uh, in the Western and he goes I'm thirsty to pouring the water and it's coming down like in a Vietnam movie whatever Jesus identifies with you even unto the point of death. so even when people are dying what's, what's the thing that's happening when they're dying their body' is shutting down and what do they do the most? they thirst, they thirst, they thirst and so there's there, there's a symbol there. Jesus is not just doing things by accident He is showing with he's showing us I identify with the dying body. I identify with it. And so even when you find yourself at that day when it's time to die, and I think of like this beautiful young lady who was married and was starting her family and she found out she had cancer and she ended up passing at a very young age. You know, I just, I see her at those moments thirsting and her passing and Jesus saying, I identify with you. I'm here with you. We know Jared may have to go and prepare for his class. Please always feel free to do that, sir. Um, So we need to really look at the heart issue. Uh, The next thing is the secular world is we just need to push it right back at them and say, you don't have a problem with evil. I have a problem with evil, and I have a solution, Jesus. Because why don't they have a problem with evil? Let me give it to Julian. So they say, oh, I have a problem with evil. Tell me why a good God allows bad things to happen to good people. What do you say back to them? Uh, I say back to them that you can't expect God to fix the problem if you don't go to him. the reason why bad things happen is for God to show the grace and the glory in it? Well, that is true, but, but but you're not hitting the point I said last, uh, yesterday, what, what is, what is the problem they have with the problem with evil? There's a problem with their problem with evil. <laughs> <laughs> that they haven't put their faith in God. Oh, you guys were missing it. Do you know it, Joby? Uh, well, mm-hmm. for the secular person that doesn't believe in God, <laughs> sorry, that's uh, that's there, that's there's no definition of evil. No definition of evil. There you go. Get out that pajama spirit and wake up, son. He got himself a right answer. You see that? You see, you fell into the trick. You're answering them as a Christian. You're giving them the Christian answer, which is true. But you haven't addressed the main problem. If they're an atheist, are they a Christian? So then why do they deserve a Christian answer? They deserve to be shut down. They need to be shut down right there at the very moment of their question. If you don't believe in a God, then why do you have a problem with evil? Where's evil in your worldview? What is evil? And then if they go, well, no, if I was a Christian like you, the Bible wouldn't make sense to me. And then you go, oh, it makes perfect sense. there's a problem of evil, we talk about it from Genesis chapter 1. We show it to you. We're the one that told you about it. There's a whole book written about it, too, called Job and what it looks like. When Satan's involved and human suffering and sin, really the trifecta there. Sin, sorrows, sickness, all there in the book of Job, isn't it? Satan's on the side of sin. Sickness comes from Satan as well. Sorrow's a part of Job's heart and his, even his own desires, uh, you know, towards to doubt God and all of that. And then his friends pushing that there, uh, you know, that he's sinned against God and he's cursed. I mean, the whole, the whole concept, I mean, you've got the devil there. You've got God there. You, you've got good. you got evil. you got sin, sorrow, sickness. We've got a whole book on it. We've got an ending book, too. that talks about how it's all reconciled. All the evil goes there, gets put into the lake of fire. All the good comes here on the earth. Everything is recreated. That's why everything has to be recreated, new heavens and earth. We believe that. It's one of our doctrines, new heavens and new earth. Why does everything need to be made new again? Because it had fallen under the curse of sin. And now we understand this. This is amazing with the science that we understand. Because what is heavens and earth? What, what is it like? Are we really saying like an earth needs to be remade just because it's it, like the grass has been stained and, and affected? No. What do we now know has been really affected? The particles. The actual substance of what holds earth together. You know, planets together. What holds stars together. That whole thing needs to get covered over. I mean, you could just use your imagination. What is it going to look like? When the glory of God, you know, it's almost going to sound like electricity as it goes through all the particles and remakes it new. Isn't that amazing? That is just amazing to think about. I heard electricity making noise the other day as I was walking. I'd never heard it because I have these big towers by me, with the electrical towers, and I could just hear it going through the current. And I'm just like thinking to myself, man, what does the Holy Spirit sound like in the spiritual world? Like what does that sound like? Cause this is like energy and earth. This is what energy sounds like here. I wonder what like heaven sounds like and the Holy Spirit. And this is real, guys. The only time I've had a vision of God was the same time I had a vision of the devil or, or a demon that was possessing me. This is a whole other story. I'll tell that to you another time. But uh, man, I heard the sound of the glory of God. I believe I heard the sound of Acts chapter two, and it like dude through my ears. Whoop, 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 and the sound of it, but yet it wasn't a fearful sound. It was, it was a glorious sound. It was a joyous sound. It was like the sound of an ocean when you're not afraid of water, you know. And it's just like, it's just like you love the crashing of the waves, you know. There was just that sound of uh, like the thunder when you're not afraid of thunder, right. It's just beautiful. And um, God is going to restore all things. So we say to the secular world, we, they say, well, what about the problem of evil? We say, you can't have a problem with the problem of evil, and then what is the Christian, what would we say to the Christian, the problem of evil? We got the answer, guys. It's Jesus. Don't get discouraged now. Don't give up now. He's here to heal your heart. He's here to restore you. And, and, and this is that, that thing I want to end with. Hope. We'll never be disappointed. So the one who's praying for their healing, even if they don't get it in this world, will never be disappointed because their healing is already here. It's in Jesus' name. It's already been given. They just haven't received it yet in that body, but that body will get it. And so even if, as we saw, like Lazarus was raised from the dead, Lazarus eventually dies. Even the healed body will eventually die. So God determines when the body dies. Do I want to heal it now and keep it around for a little longer? Or do I want it to come meet me? But we can always say that it's God's will to heal because ultimately all bodies get healed. So there's nothing wrong with ever asking to be healed. And we shouldn't always say with doubt, like, well, if it's your, God, your will, we should always say, no, God, it is your will, but we'll accept whenever it's time for us to go. We know it's your will to heal because when I get to heaven, I'm not sick anymore. So I'm not going to pray if it's your will to heal. It's always wanting to heal. It's just whether or not I get it literally now or up there in heaven now. It's like, where is the healing coming? When is the time done? And remember, not everybody dies of sickness. Some dies in accident. Some die in war. Right? Some die, some die that way. So so the idea is we're all going to die. That's set by God. The time man is appointed unto death that time. That time. Amen? I wish I could go longer. I know I spent a lot of time setting it up. But I really want to build your theology in that so that we don't walk around in, in ignorance like the disciples did here. We learn from them. We don't think we're better than them. But uh, we understand that. the why, why the world is the way it is is because God has allowed it this way. And he's working in the midst of it to show his glory. He's working in the midst of it. That's why he's allowed it to continue and didn't just end it at that point or take us right to heaven after we've accepted Jesus. He's showing his works in the midst of darkness. His light is pushing back this darkness. We are the children of the light. When we get to heaven, we'll understand. That's why God had that plan for us to be here. It was to show his glory. Because once you're in heaven, there's no more evil. uh, There's no more death. Once you come down to the new earth, all that stuff is gone. So for here and now, you get to show the glory of God in the shadow of death. You get to show the strength of the Lord. This is a great time to be alive. Amen? Let's pray. Father, and Joby, please get ready to shut it off. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day in chapel. May we trust you and know you and love you as we ought to. May we help others understand that you are the answer to the problem of evil. And may we comfort the hearts, God, of those who are suffering now around us, believing for your best in their lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Amen. I love you guys.